Hi, it's Brett Cowell, and this is the Total Life Complete Podcast, coming to you from the Dream Room at the Grove. Today I'm here with Cohn Johnson, Art Philanthropy Board President, Experience and Interaction Designer. Welcome, Cohn. Thank you so much, Brett. It's nice to be here. My pleasure. Um, hopefully today we'll talk about street philanthropy, uh, conspiracy, and maybe a bit about painting later on. We'll see All how right. that goes. That sounds grand. So the first question I ask all the guests is, how do you introduce yourself at a party when people ask who you are? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think I did, I introduced myself differently at different parties, but uh, recently because of my um, involvement with Art Conspiracy, I do talk about street level philanthropy and raising money in the community. Um, so I, I do have a, a day job, but that is my love is uh, participating in the community, especially in arts and um so that, that's probably how I would introduce myself. Sometimes I have to explain my name. <laughs> so sometimes that is how I introduce myself because they go, what? What did you say? <laughs> we were talking before the, uh, the show started about um, a, a Texas senator and uh, I did my little bit of research before you came on. It. Are you any relation to the yes, other Cone Johnson? indeed I am. Um, my great, great, great uncle was William Cone Johnson from Eastland, Texas. Um, he was apparently a very famous orator. People would come from all over to hear him talk. He was a teetotaler, interesting. Um, he ran for governor of Texas, he lost, uh, and so did several other candidates. And so the governor appointed those three men to start the Texas Highway Department. So I always tell people, if you like the highways in Texas, I'll take some credit for that. Uh, and if you don't, I, then I have nothing to do with it. But um, a lot of people know the name for two reasons. Um, one, my father was named Cone Johnson, and um, I'll talk about him in a minute. But um, the other reason is those three politicians uh, had ferry boats named after them. They went from the mainland to the island down in Galveston. So there was a boat called the Cone Johnson, and a lot of people remember that from their childhood. And so when they sometimes when they meet me, they go, Cone Johnson? <laughs> and I, I try to help them figure out where they knew me. Um, and the other thing, which I don't know if you found this during your research, but there was a punk band in Fort Worth, Texas, called the Hugh Beaumont Experience. They put out like five records, I mean, I mean, literally five LPs, and one was called The Cone Johnson. And it's extremely rare. Um, a few years ago, I tried to buy it, buy one on, uh, on uh, uh, eBay, and it was like $900 for, for an album from, you know, the 80s. So, um, so there, yes, it's the connection to the politician, my father, there's a there's a lake called Cone Johnson in Texas as well. So I'm very proud to have the name. Uh, I was supposed to be a boy. I was the oldest, of course. And they were going to call me William Cone Johnson and call me Will since my dad went by Cone. Um, and since we were talking before, you mentioned that you had a radio show. My father, too, had a radio show. And instead of using Cone Johnson as his moniker, he was Dr. Jazz. He, <laughs> he was a doctor. So he was, uh, he had a, a jazz radio program for ugh, 25 years, uh, maybe longer in Abilene, which is west of here uh, at the NPR station. Yeah. 
So very, it's very a great name. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to carry it. Right, well, I have to think about uh, giving the guests some uh, some guest names as well as Monica's uh, that they can use on the show oh, while, yeah. while, while they're here. If uh, not, Doctor Jazz or whatever, <laughs> whatever it was, we'll have to. I'll give you some time to think about okay, what yours might be, and we can uh, we could we, we can do that. <laughs> and also, we'll see if if any listeners out there have got a line on this this rap, uh, punk uh, LP. Uh, just oh, yeah. send us an email at podcast at totallifecomplete Well, I, I do have to tell you, I went to an event once, and uh, I. You know, you know how you just start talking to someone. I shook this guy's hand and said, hi, my name's Cone Johnson. He goes, Cone Johnson? And I'm like, yeah. And I said, do I know you? Do you know my dad? He goes, you mean like the punk album? Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, well, he was, cool, a hu- he was a huge punk fan. And that was cool. I, I, that's the first time I've, I've gotten someone respond like that instead of instead of saying, he, actually, what he said was, that's not your name. I go, yeah, it is. He goes, like the album? <laughs> I said, you must be a punk fan. And sure enough, he was. So anyway, enough about my name. No, they, well, <laughs> talking about re- being recognized, I think um, there's an English guy that appears. He, he's reasonably well known. Some people have heard about him on a, on a talent show that some people watched now and then called Simon Cowell. And people uh, always want to. And I, I kind of have to say, like Simon Cowell, uh, no relation when I talk about uh, who I am. To, to understand your last name. But at least gotcha. people can people get it now. They yeah. can spell it. Yeah. So that's uh, some benefit. And I, I'm not related. My family came from, on my dad's side, came from Georgia to Texas. Um, so I'm, I believe I'm fifth or sixth generation uh, Texan. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's lovely to know. And, and for the, the listeners who are expecting some light entertainment, they're getting a, some education in history as well. So uh, right. And so you don't learn anything uh, while <laughs> listening to the show. Let's talk a little bit about um, art conspiracy or sure. art con. Um, you know, what is it to start off with for people not familiar with? Okay. Uh, simply, art con is a community of people <laughs> in the Dallas area who want to give back to the world of art and music uh, here and Art Conspiracy, and we'll talk about how it was founded. But the way it functions now is um, we work uh, towards raising money, and that money every year is given to a different nonprofit. Our goal is to um, have as much impact as we can with that money. We're not able to offer you know, a million dollars by any means. But uh, in in the last few years, we've been able to give our beneficiary every year somewhere between $20,000 and $45,000. And um, basically that's done by auctioning off art and having musicians play at these auctions. Um, so I'll just jump in that SEED is our summer event, S-E-E-D, and it is exactly what it sounds like. We uh, have that event to raise SEED money in order to put on, put on the bigger event, our signature event, which is in the fall. And the SEED event is curated. We contact local artists and ask them to create art um, of any stripe. 
based on a theme. This year, our uh, seed event was at the beginning of June. Our um, theme was phobias. And so it kind of ties in with 13. This is our 13th year. And so the artists were um, encouraged to do anything based on a phobia, you know, fear of heights or fear of spiders or whatever, whether they had that phobia or not. And then um, those 40 artists uh, donated their work. We had an event where we auctioned off all 40 of those. Um, the cool thing is a lot of these artists are up and coming artists. A lot of them are well established and you can start at a very reasonable price. All the, I believe all the artwork started for seed at uh either 20 or 40, $40, very, very reasonably priced. And um, then that money we use to, to kind of do the same thing again in the fall, but in the fall, it's open uh, enrollment, if you will, to any artist. Um, the 40 seed artists that participate in the summer are invited back. So they're automatically part of our um, 150 artists. And then we get about 300 people that apply. It's a it's an application online. We have an artist call, call for artists, and um, it's a random choice. Uh, and then they come in for what we call artist day and we turn a workspace into a great big art studio each artist gets a 18 by 18 inch square board of plywood they can do whatever they want to it it could be painted or sculpture or you know collage anything they want and then um, the next week those pieces are auctioned off. We have three simultaneous auctions and it's wild and crazy <laughs> and it's a big party. Um, lots of people come out to see the art, buy the art, uh, listen to the bands, have food and music um, and drinks and, uh, and just, you know, enjoy uh, the opportunity to do something good because that money that's raised then goes to the beneficiary. And I can talk a little bit about the beneficiary uh, this year, if you'd like. Yeah, maybe yeah. we'll come back to that really <laughs> okay. in a second. So I want to say two things. Number yes. one, really thank you for coming in and talking about this because I know the leadership of ArtCon continues to evolve and Always. you've been involved in, in, in it for a period of time. In, as the yeah, actually, that's a good point. I uh, I have been an attendee and a fan, a big supporter of ArtCon, but I am new uh, to being part of kind of the infrastructure, if you will. We do not have staff. We are an all-volunteer group. Uh, we don't have an office. <laughs> Everything that we do uh, is, you know, kind of, I don't know how to put that, virtual. <laughs> you know, we meet at different places. Um, I am on the board, and um, uh, we have, in addition to the board, we have uh, volunteers who work year-round. And then we also have a huge group of volunteers that come in right before an event, work the day of, and then help us tear down. So I'm talking about many, many, many people that it takes to put this all together. And because there have been lots of people involved over the years, enough people have been able to kind of take the cultural knowledge from one event to the next to the next. And so even though we have new people that have joined us this year in 2017, um, 
we have people who have done events before and so uh I, you know we're able to put together some pretty great events so um we were very pleased with what happened in june our seed event um we were thrilled to raise uh, plenty of money uh, in order to get started with our fall event so yeah now there's a lot of philanthropy in in Dallas. Um, yes. One of the things that really jumped out uh, about ArtCon and, and triggered me to reach out uh, to the organisation to, to speak with you guys further was um, this idea of street philanthropy. You know, I mean, you're not getting a bunch of calling some rich donors who, who are going to give this money. No, we we are not. It's it, you know, I think you anyone would be surprised at. Um, the fact that it, it is very bare bones. I mean, I think we throw a good event, but it's, it's very approachable. It's inclusive. The idea is that um, someone who wants to help their community could come in and for a very small amount purchase a piece of art. Maybe it's someone they know, maybe mm. it's someone they don't know, and that that money is going to go to a good cause. And, you know, so you don't have to be some very wealthy person going to a fancy, you know, $500 a plate dinner in order to raise money. Um, I'm proud to say that in 13 years, um, Art Conspiracy has raised over $300,000. And of course, we've done that in small, you know, small mm. amounts. It's, it's it's not like someone has given us, you know, uh, $20,000 at a time. So I think it's really speaks well of, of us. And when I say us, I really mean not only people who are involved with Art Conspiracy now, but in past years. So, um, I mean, it's a wonderful legacy to be involved with, for sure. <laughs> oh, very good. I, I, I love that idea of the, the kind of the money going, essentially artists creating art and then those proceeds going um, to sponsor some of the beneficiaries there um, like that. So maybe we, we could talk a little bit more uh, about that, you know, how the beneficiaries are selected sure, and, sure. and maybe this year's, last year's beneficiaries. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, and remind me, we'll talk about kind of how it started too. Um, so this year's beneficiary, and I'll talk about how how we how that how they were selected. Um, this benef this year's beneficiary is called Seek the Peace. Um, they are a refugee a refugee support group. Um, I've learned from uh, from Seek the Peace that Dallas is one of the top five cities in the US where refugees from all over are um, resituated. I don't know that that's the right word, but um, you can imagine if someone has grown up in a refugee camp or even been, been displaced in any way that it's a really tough situation. And so um, it's a huge community from all different faiths, all different languages, all different countries. and. Um, so uh, when they applied to, um, to uh, be a grantee, uh, we were very impressed with what they wanted to do with the money we'll be raising. And that is they're bringing in an arts program. And that's where that was our sweet spot. So they're bringing in a program called First Aid Arts. And it is designed to work with uh, the trauma of refugees. In fact, First Aid Arts goes to refugee camps. Um, 
And so that is what they're going to do with hopefully, uh, you know, as much money as we can raise this year. So um, the process is we have uh, an open call, a grant cycle. Um, we have applicants. We review the applications. We choose a top five. And of those five, we go and visit with them. Um, we call them site visits. Not everybody has a site. <laughs> um, for instance, one of the organizations this year that we visited um, is a theater group. And they don't have their own theater, but they are a group. And um, so of those site visits, and, and by the way, this is a committee made up of uh, many different people within um, our conspiracy. So uh, volunteers as well, well, we're all volunteers, but volunteers as well as board members. And this committee then recommends uh, the top three to the voters and we all vote, one, two, three. And so that's how um, Seek the Peace was uh, selected this year. So it's a, I'd like to say it's a rigorous uh, situation uh, process for us because we want to make sure that uh, the money that we raise will be meaningful uh, and they'll be able to do something that can really impact the community. And in the case of this first aid arts that Seek the Peace is going to implement, part of the training is geared towards um, uh, each different uh, culture so that let's say they could train someone who's from Burma, then that person would be able to, tra to train uh, this technique to his or her community and, and so on and so forth. So we saw a, a, an amazing reach there um, with this particular arts program. Let's go back to the start then. Where did, sure. uh, where did the conspiracy start? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I didn't get to go to the very first one, but uh, we were talking earlier and I told you that um, I went to the Texas Theater in Oak Cliff last night and we we're just across the street from the Sixth Floor Museum uh, and uh, Dealey Plaza. And unfortunately, Dallas is known uh, far and wide for the tragedy that happened so many years ago, um, uh, the death of, of Kennedy. And so there were a couple of tie-ins. Uh, one, there was a group of people and they were feeling a little bit helpless. Uh, Hurricane Katrina had happened. Um, many people were coming in to uh, Dallas from, from New Orleans and so on, and especially kids, and they wanted to help. And so they realized that, you know, $10 here and $10 there wouldn't mean as much, but if they could pool their resources, they could really do something great. And, and um, so this group of people picked um, uh, an organization that Paul Simon was involved in, and it, it helped children specifically. And so they said, um, hey, let's get some bands and we'll, we'll charge a little bit of money for people to come hear the bands. And then someone else said, hey, let's get some artists and we'll sell some of the art. And so it, it, I think the quote is that someone said, well, let's get, let's get 20 artists. And someone else said, let's get 100. <laughs> and so the first event was actually held at Texas Theater, which uh, it was before Texas Theater had been renovated and was operating as a theater. So there's that tie-in, definitely, 
the conspiracy aspect of Texas theater. And for those of you who don't know, um, Texas theater is where Lee Harvey went after the shooting. And he was found by policeman. I think his name was Tippett. Um, and so it has, you know, that infamy, uh, to it. So yeah, the conspiracy name is, is definitely tapping into that, but in a good way. Uh, and then we call each other conspirators <laughs> so, because we are all conspiring to do work, do good work and, and help our community. So as I said, it started to help um, kids who were uh, having problems because of Hurricane Katrina. And it was such a great success that. Uh, and it was planned to just be a one-off thing that people said. And, and, and in fact, this was long before social media was so pervasive. And, and people were like, well, when's the next one? And so it was like, oh, okay. So then it became, you know, the second and then the third. And then now we're up to the, the 13th ArtCon. There's some great uh, history on our website, by the way, so you can go read more about it. What was your uh, journey to get involved in this? You, you started off uh, attending the events. And yeah, I did. Um, actually, um, I'd like to give some credit to my parents. Um, I was raised in a upper middle class household. My father was a doctor and my mother was a nurse. And um, I was raised to give back to the community. And um, that was just something that I've always done. And I've been participating in lots of different ways over the years. I would get involved with an organization and, you know, try and give them my best work. And um, so the last few years, I have been serving uh, as a board member for several different arts organizations. And... Um, so I don't actually remember who approached me and asked if I would be interested in ArtCon uh, being on the board, but I was very flattered and very honored, and I said yes. <laughs> and so um, that's how I got involved. But of course, I knew about Art Conspiracy as a, you know, as an attendee, as someone who had gone to the events. I feel like I kind of knew what was going on, but you know, it's very different. <laughs> when you're actually planning an event than when you go to an event. So um, I'm learning. It's, there's a lot to learn, a lot of moving parts. And as I mentioned earlier, we're so lucky and grateful that we've had that kind of continuous opportunity and people know what to do and then they pass that on to the next person or the next group. And so that we've, we've got a really nice model of sustainability there. It is not me that does this. This is, you know, I'm I'm just part of this very large uh, group. It's a great it's a, community. Yeah, and, and I'm glad that you, you said the word uh, community because um, you know that kind of leaps out in, in what you're describing. I mean, everybody wants high quality events and, and nobody wants to organize them. I think that's the, the thing uh, across the world in every possible thing. Well, and sure. Yeah. You want to go and enjoy yourself. The, the cool part about this is you're not only enjoying yourself, but you're doing something nice to help your community. I mean, again, it's that concept of like, kind of like a giving circle. You know, if, if I get a group of people together and we all throw in a couple of bucks, all well, that, that, can really add up after a while. And I, that's how I see our conspiracy. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, w 
just kind of looking back at some of what we've done with other beneficiaries, uh, been some, some great uh, organizations. And in fact, let me just mention that one of the things too that uh, I believe has happened in the past is that beneficiaries have been chosen. Um, they don't necessarily need to be a new nonprofit, but they, they just need that little oomph of that, you know, money coming in. Um, and it could be the difference between, uh, you know, things going great and things not going so great. And, and that's a really nice feeling too, that, um, as a group, uh, you could make such a difference to uh, an organization and then whoever their constituents are. I, you know, I, I love that. So to be a volunteer, do you have to have an arts degree? You do not. <laughs> do you have to and do a test though, no, when they examine you to no, see whether and you're an fact, artist or not? But, no. Uh, in fact, we need volunteers of, of any, any kind, um, especially around the events. Um, and you don't have to have any skills in order to, to help us. Um, you know, we do all kinds of things during the event. Um, uh, for instance, the artwork is hung so you know in a presentation manner we need help with that we need help with um selling merchandise we sell t-shirts archon t-shirts i mean there's a million things that anyone can do um but if you want to become involved even more so uh and maybe you have a skill or you want to hone a skill um that you know that that we would love to have you come on board i know often what happens is uh, someone will get involved and they'll bring in their friends and they'll bring in their friends and so on and so on. And which is fantastic. Um, and you know, artists are very motivated and enthusiastic, but you don't have to be an artist. And in fact, um, uh, I, I wanted to mention that, uh, uh, a lot of people, whether they are a working artist or just, a weekend artist, they can participate. Um, you know, uh, anybody can put their name in, uh, be chosen as one of the 150 and do a piece of art and then get all your friends to come to the event and, 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 you know, raise the price and say, I'll give you 20, I'll give you 40, I'll give you 60. And, and just think what a great opportunity that is. Uh, all your friends could help you raise money based on the artwork that you made. So, I mean, there's a million different ways that people can help. And um, I should have thought about this sooner, but contact me. <laughs> contact uh, anyone. Find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Just find us and uh, um, we'd love to have you. I'll, I'll press you into service, Brett. I'd, I'd like to, to serve. Um, that's great. And as always, there'll be some uh, show notes and a transcript available on uh, totallifecomplete.com at the end of this. Before the show, we, we talked a little bit about... Um, I'm going to say creativity versus uh, artists, you know, you're a creative person or you're an artist. I mean, what, what's your view? Is there a distinction between the two? And Yeah, I, I am pretty, um, I, I have a lot to say about that, actually. Um, I believe that creativity shouldn't be held up and out on some pedestal to say that someone is, a creative or someone is an artist. Um, 
I know that there are people who do that and that's fine. But my theory is, and, and you know, this might be something that some people don't even know about. You know, there are a lot of people who are famous in one area, maybe being an actor. Um, I'll use the example, Tony Bennett, you know, he's a singer. Everyone, some people know him as a singer, but he's a fantastic painter. And I think once you have tapped into sort of that create that creativity that everyone has, it can manifest itself in any manner. Um, so that's why you meet some people who are uh, multi-talented because they've been able to do that. And um, so I don't like it when people kind of set it off like, oh, you're, you're a creative person. Like it's weird or something because it, it isn't. And um, sometimes I think it's just a matter of learning the tools and the techniques. So if, you know, I, something I've always wanted to do, which I haven't, is learn how to weld. Uh, you know, I think I have a sculpture in me. <laughs> I've never done that before. But I think if I could learn the techniques and understand the tools, that something could happen. And I, sometimes I feel people pigeonhole themselves and um, you, if I could step a little to the side, you mentioned that you used to be in consulting. And I've worked for several large organizations. And I remember one time we had, it was supposed to be a team building exercise. But guess what? <laughs> it was the opposite. Mm. Because what we did is divide ourselves by our interests and our skills. And we were given colors. And so um, people who considered themselves uh, analytical and interested in details, they were blue. And I don't remember all the other colors, but I was orange. And guess what? I was the only orange in that <laughs> environment. And it really stigmatized me because people were like, oh, yeah, you're just a creative. I'm like, what do you mean just a creative? I, I didn't want to be known just as that one thing. Um, so... I guess in some ways what I've done with my background is I, I was lucky enough to be picked when I was in elementary school to go to summer school. And you might think summer school, but it was for talented and gifted artists. And my teacher saw something in me that I didn't know I had. And that really changed the course of my life. And uh, even though at one time, uh, when I started college, I had planned to be a lawyer, <laughs> which is kind of funny looking back on that. But um, I ended up uh, studying in Paris and becoming an artist. So I actually have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in painting. And um, I don't make my living painting, but that doesn't mean that uh, it's not still very important to me. So anyway, I, I feel strongly that one of the things that Art, Art Conspiracy does is allow people to participate who may not be um, quote-unquote artists. Uh, and I've been really out there selling it to friends and family and colleagues and saying, you know, put your name in when we do the artist call because you don't have to be like a trained artist. Um, 
So we'll see. We'll see what kinds of folks uh, participate. There are people who probably would never go into a gallery in the design district or during the gallery walks. You know, they do one uh, in the fall and the spring, and maybe they feel that's not for them, but they would come to ArtCon. And I, I love that. I, I, I think that is exactly what sharing and, and being part of the community should be. I, I really feel strongly about that. In my life, one of the things I, I noticed from moving uh, from Sydney, and, and there's, no, there's a number of great artists in Sydney, but I think moving to London and not knowing many people um, and living there for six years, I think gave me a completely different perspective on art because I, I didn't have all these preconceptions about, um, you know, whether I was an artist or not. I would definitely not have called myself an artist, but because there's so many great galleries in London that are tourist attractions as well that I could just walk up and, and ponder in and, and not have to rush around. Um, I felt that they were part of my life and I could go yeah. there many, many times and slowly over time learn more about art and the people that made it and why they made it. And, and then over time um, that gave me a completely different perspective yeah. on it and, and opened up a door for me as to who I was as a person. You know, I'm not just a... Uh, a globe-trotting consultant that is a, a big analytical person that can solve you, your problems and then move on. Um, but there was something inside that I, I wanted to, you were interested. to try and do. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, to, to, to think that for whatever reason the art world has over many, many years positioned themselves to be kind of had throw up this wall um, – I don't, I don't really get that, but I love that we're kind of tearing that down a little. I, I really, I do like that. So, um, and I do want to mention that, um, you know, kind of over the years I've seen, uh, you know, very young kind of up and coming artists be involved with art conspiracy. And then the next year more people know who they are. And the next year, you know, I, I've seen that and that I, I love that someone uh, could kind of make new fans through this this kind of setup. I, I, I think that's really cool too. So that you don't have to um, have a show at a specific gallery. And um, actually I, I overheard someone saying this the other day and I thought it was so great. Um, she was talking about submitting art to a gallery and they they said no thanks but no and instead of trying to go look for another gallery she said i'm just gonna do my own thing and i think that is the kind of person that we would love to interact with um one thing that i'm i've got in my head and i'm just saying it out loud right now but i'm hoping to kind of tap into some non-traditional communities who do art so for instance, um, there are um, there's an arts program downtown with with one of the homeless groups, and I would love it if if some of those folks might participate. Um, I'd like to get some younger uh, kids, maybe from Booker T. Um, that's the arts and mag arts magnet school downtown. Um, you know, I, I want to see if we can kind of reach out to to some other folks. I've like I said, it's been in my head. I haven't really fully formed that yet. But um, uh, I, I think that the more people that know about what we're doing, the better. And that will allow 
ArtCon 14 to happen and 15 and, and so on. You talked about a day job before, and I, I want to know what an experienced designer is. Oh, <laughs> um, you know, because I had a degree in art, um, I, I studied fine art and art history. And I was really very lucky because right after I graduated, I went to SMU, by the way, um, I... Uh, I fell into the advertising world and worked as a graphic designer. And I think most people know what a graphic designer is. And I worked as an art director. And then I started being sort of a project manager. And then I became a producer. And instead of print, we're talking about online and, and uh, apps and things like that. And one of the things I would do as a, as a project manager or producer is I would talk to the client or the service, whatever it might be, and try and figure out what the, the crux of the problem was. What is it we're trying to do here? And then communicate that to the team that was building the product or the service. And I discovered that that actually was a field of study. <laughs> and it's called user experience. Um, and it really is that someone thinks about how you're going to use uh, uh, your uh, windshield wiper in your car and someone thinks about how you're going to use the, um, the email on your phone. <laughs> you know, there's someone who's thinking about that and planning that out. And so I was lucky, again, to learn all of that on the job. So as a user experience designer, I really help, you know, determine the experience between a thing, a something, and the user. And um, it, could be, it can be an app, like on your phone. It could be enterprise-wide software. Uh, it could be a website. Um, it's something that I kind of was already doing as an art director. I just didn't know what it was called. I mean, that's what you do when you work as a, as a designer or an art director. You figure out what the problem is and come up with a solution. So um, it's super hot the last few years. <laughs> <laughs> to be in UX. And there are different um, kind of subcategories within the whole UX field. Um, so it's there's, there's lots of specialties that you can do. Um, and I've done a little bit of everything. So I've worked for uh, startups. I've worked for ad agencies. I've worked for in-house, um, you know, like a headquarters for a big company. Uh, I've worked for... Um, just kind of, you know, a little bit of everything. And as I said, um, it's not that I'm not passionate about my day job, <laughs> but I'm not passionate about my day job. I really am much more passionate about the things that I do, um, you know, nights and weekends. So, so having an opportunity to be involved with um, different organizations, and, and it's something that I've done within my field as well. I've been involved in user groups and professional organizations. And, um, you know, so it, it, it all kind of ties back to what I said that my, my parents just kind of raised me to be involved in the community and help as much as I can. And, um, and so I still do that. It's nice to know that someone is, is thinking about, uh, users still in, in amongst all of this, uh, are increasingly automated and, and disjointed, <laughs> disjointed yeah. world. I feel quite often that people are not thinking about me as a user. You know, let me just say, in my the defense of my field, um, sometimes what happens 
with a product or a service is that does get skipped. You know, we're in a hurry. We got to get that to market. Um, and it's a shame. But I think that as a uh, culture, we are all much more savvy and know, uh, you know, when you get a new phone, for instance, let's say you switch from, you know, one operating system to the other. Um, it, the, there's some stuff built in. There's things that we kind of know to expect that just a few years ago wasn't even, we didn't even think about it. Um, and the example I use when I'm, I'm talking to young, you know, maybe young students who are getting into the field is I say, there's user experience everywhere. We just don't realize it. And when you walk up to a door and you look, you have to figure out, is it a pull handle or a push or, you know, that's user experience. Uh, when you go into a department store, I don't know if you've ever noticed when you go into a department store, but the cosmetics and perfume is right up front jewelry. Guess why? <laughs> because you see it when you go in and you see it when you come out and those are, those can be impulse buys. So, you know, uh, grocery stores are organized for user experience, your car, you know, you might go on a trip and rent a car and it may be a car you've never driven before, but you can quickly figure out here's all the information I need in order to drive the car. Here's how you turn it on. Here's how you, you know, there, there is someone who's thinking about that. Sometimes it is not implemented, but there definitely is someone who's thinking about that user experience. And I'm hoping that as we, as a culture, continue to grow, that that will even be more important uh, moving forward. Given this professional uh, experience, uh, who, who, what products or services, without naming any names, oh, do gosh. this really well or badly? Do you literally walk through your day going, oh, I'm so mad about that, they should you know, have thought about I, that better? I, I have to say I do. That, you know, <laughs> there are certain things that, that are just like, oh, that makes me crazy. But um, it's... I don't know. I, I'm probably more forgiving than some. Um, I do spend a lot of time, you know, uh, it's interesting, right when you were asking me that question, I thought, I'm using a lot of the skills that I have uh, gleaned over the years with user experience. I'm using those with Art Conspiracy. So I'm, I'm trying to think how people view the organization and how we can continue to be opening and and welcoming um and inclusive and and those you know it's kind of cool that I'm I'm able to put that in place but yeah um it's I don't know I I like for instance I if I read about a new app I sign up because I want to see what is that experience when you get the app do you have to sign on through Facebook or do you use your email or you know all of those things are of interest to me and um, so yeah I'm I guess I don't spend a lot of time being uh, annoyed but um, I I'm I'm probably a little bit more aware of it than some people so yeah <laughs> you know it was funny uh, right out of school I mentioned that I, I had a a degree in painting and you know you can't walk in and get a job <laughs> with a degree in painting and so one of my friends taught me how to proofread so someone has written something and you have to review it and make sure that it makes sense and that words aren't misspelled even when you have spell check things can be misspelled and um 
So once I learned how to proofread, then I saw typos everywhere. I would go to a restaurant and there'd be a typo on a menu and I was like, oh, it's making me crazy. So I think anytime you get immersed in a field <laughs> that you, you can suddenly uh, realize that, oh, it's, it's everywhere. <laughs> I'm glad that you, you drew the line between your professional experience and ArtCon and, and just more generally what happens in the community and, you know, people having the opportunity to participate in these experiences, which actually not only delight them, but change the way that they look at their own community. You we know, hope that, so, for sure, yeah. That, that's the certainly something that I'm constantly on the lookout for in, in Dallas and elsewhere is to say, you know, how do you create those opportunities for people uh, whether it's an individual to see their life differently and to to um, realize their potential, mm -hmm. whether it's for groups of people, teams, or whole communities, to look at the situation they're in differently and have a shared experience. Yeah, which... I'm not. I'm nodding furiously at you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I realize that doesn't show up. <laughs> you can't see that I'm nodding. No, <laughs> I agree. It's always wholeheartedly. With, it's always with trepidation. We try and discuss visual arts on a podcast here, like that. You know, we need to have some pictures and links and things for people yeah. to do. But but hopefully uh, we have a, we're having a scintillating conversation that people oh, can good. follow I along so with too. and delight some. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Dallas. Um, you know, and traditionally I. I People listen to the show around the world and mm. even for people in Dallas, you know, how do you explain Dallas? What's the heart and soul of it? What's it about? Oh, my gosh. Um, I don't know. That uh, – okay. So I am going to say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall back on something that I – had an opportunity to do a few years ago. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this presentation technique. It's called Pachachka or Pechacucha. And you have 20 slides in five minutes, and they're timed. And I participated in um, a show where multiple people were speaking. And uh, I think the title was Dallas, My Dallas, or you know, uh, something like that. And I had a really tough time when I was given that topic. And I realized that for me, Dallas isn't a place, it's the people. And I'm sure you have come to realize that Texans, by their very nature, are, whether they're a recent Texan <laughs> like you or a native, they are open and friendly and kind and generous. And um, I love that about Dallas. And I, I mentioned that I went to school here. I, uh, I moved to the East Coast and lived there for several years. And, um, you know, it's different. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I learned, you know, there's a certain way to hail a taxi <laughs> when you're in New York. There's a certain way when you go into a deli to order lunch, you know, you, there's certain, uh, and it's because people are in a hurry and they're busy and it's a, it's a different lifestyle. So, um, I like the lifestyle, but I like the people. So sometimes what frustrates me about Dallas is, it's we're so spread out and i you know i have i have no problem going from uh, i live in south oak cliff and i have no problem going to visit a friend who lives in north frisco and that's a long way away um because i'm from texas and driving is no big deal but i wish that i didn't have to drive it <laughs> you know i i wish that we were a little um 
more compact from uh, that standpoint. Uh, so there are geographical issues sometimes, but, um, you know, I, I never gave it a thought, but I, I know I have met people who live in North Dallas, uh, Frisco, Plano, and they would never come down to Fair Park and go to the State Fair of Texas. And I'm like, man, you're missing out. Um, but I do see that there's kind of a thawing in some of that geographical uh, isolation, and that is that Clyde Warren Park has just been such a magnet um, for people. I mean, I, I have a friend that lives, uh, gosh, she, I mean, she couldn't live any further away. Um, Oh, I can't think of the name, but way up there by the airport, like, you know, Flower Mount, far away. And she will bring her kids to Clyde Warren Park. And I love that. I think that's really great. So so my answer is, um, what do I love about Dallas? I love the people. And um, I'm so grateful to have had an opportunity to meet a lot of people. Um, I, I, I really like... That's I was going to say that's another reason I'm enjoying working with our conspiracy as I'm meeting people I don't know that I would have met any other way. So that's kind of cool. For people that don't know what Clyde Warren Park is. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Yes, it, please. It's, it's a, a park on a freeway, basically. It <laughs> is. It's, and it's amazing. And it's it, a great thing, actually. It is a great Dallas. thing. It, it um, Dallas is... I should have I should have mentioned this. Dallas has the most amazing arts district. Um, I don't know how many acres it is, like 22 acres. And our Symphony Hall is next to our Asian Museum, which is next to the Dallas Museum of Art, which just had a really great show on Mexico. They had like 80,000 people come over the course of that show. It was fabulous. Um, and uh, just all, everything, we have a performance hall. All of that is, you know, really in walking distance. And um, the the cool part about Clyde Warren Park is that it combine it kind of is the bridge, if you will, from the arts district to what what we call Uptown. And um, it's it's been such a great, um, uniter. I don't know this. It, it attracts, uh, all kinds of people. It attracts kids and dogs and families. And, um, there's lots of stuff happening at Clyde Warren park. Um, it's just, it's been, it's been so interesting because I think before that highway just bifurcated that area. And so you were either uptown or you were downtown and having that, and I don't know, it's like five blocks wide and then of course it is over a highway it's it's just fantastic get down there regularly uh, uh -huh. with a uh, uh you know two and a half year old son who oh, loves playing yeah. in, the, in the in the water that they have down there and um but i think just to to um kind of build on what you were saying i, I think i would sum up the place uh, th th this you know kind of Park on a freeway. Dallas has got lots of freeways and not many <laughs> necessarily. It's true. We don't, we don't have a lot parks of parks where mm. people would, um, you know, there's parks around. But I, I think this has been a real focal point. It has. And, and I, I observe there, and I think one of the strengths about the whole thing is just the mixed socioeconomic mix of folks exactly. that are there. And it is. I, I can't think of any other 
time in my week, or, you know, and that maybe says something about me. I hope not, but um, where another opportunity where you know, and we've talked on the show, Dallas is divided up by its freeways and mm-hmm. its areas, it and people it don't is. necessarily cross over. And this seems to be one focal point where people can can kind of come together and go about the things that people like doing at weekends and playing with their kids in a park exactly. and et cetera. Hopefully the, there's other things like ArtCon and the other community-led projects yes. that are coming up there are, are also spaces where people can come together from different backgrounds to have a shared experience. Yeah, for instance, when we had our seed event uh, in June, uh, we were at a venue called Life in Deep Ellum, which is, um, and for those of you listening, Deep Ellum is uh, an area that uh, was really well known maybe like in the 20s for jazz and blues and um it's it's near the part of the areas is elm street elm which is the same street that we're on right now but it's further down but um it was called elm by a lot of the black musicians they would um that was just kind of a quirk so it got tapped as deep Ellum. And, uh, I think that, uh, um, it's the same kind of, uh, opportunities in deep Ellum. People might not go to deep Ellum, but they would come for our event Mm -hmm. and then they would get to know deep Ellum. And one of the things that ArtCon has done over the past few years is try and find a venue, they have to be bigger and bigger every year, which is kind of cool, but uh, try and find a venue that is in an area that people might not normally go to um, and and kind of attract people to that area. So um, I think that's kind of nice too. Sometimes you physically just have to still go somewhere, even yeah. in this internet age yeah, and everything yeah. else, social media, you need to transport your body down you there do. and yeah. inhabit that space for a period of time and, and uh, to be able to, to kind of to understand what it's about and then to go back and visit it again. We're almost out of time for today, right. but okay. um, a- any words of life advice that you want oh, to gosh. offer our, our listeners? What have you learned in all the things that you've done that oh, you want to pass on to people? Well, I, I heard myself say just this afternoon, um, don't be shy. Don't be timid. If you want to go and, and help with an organization you want to be involved with the community just go and do it and um i would say i think that's pretty good advice (laughs) so it's something that i have done there have been lots of things that i've been interested in and so i just make my way there and do it and so as i said ArtCon was a natural progression for me and um, i'm thrilled to be involved so We'll see what happens. <laughs> Kyle Johnson, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Brett. I appreciate it. <laughs>